0: Pushing back chaos with
1: Melon, and Mike, and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Melon, your favorite, the one with the best accent. And let's face it, nobody likes the other two. It'd just be you know what'd be great would be if I just did a solo episode and just ragged these two idiots out for like an hour. I reckon we get the most ever positive votes and positive feedback. So I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do a solo show this week. We don't need uh, to hear from these two from North America. Well,
2: yeah, we'll definitely lose all of our listeners except for the people in
1: Australia because it's biased.
2: But uh, so been,
1: I was told that all the ladies like the Australian accent. I can't so they, confirm
0: if they were real. See the
1: air rushing out of your body.
0: Then no, I they, they they do love Australian accents, but then that little warm feeling in their heart goes away once they see a picture of you and they realize they're a complete see you next Tuesday.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so good. The, ban- the banter this week has been heavy. It's been fierce for the last 10 minutes and it's entirely appropriate because we're, gonna, we're doing the topic is empathy. We're like, yes, <laughs> put yourself in another person's shoes. <laughs> Your capacity to understand and feel how another person's feeling at that time. And of course, the banter just got... Freaking, yeah, fierce, lava-like.
2: Well, just for the listeners, they give you like some, you know, a little ba- bit, bit backstory going on. So it's morning for raf and I, and Melon just got home from work in his pickle suit, and he's munching away at all of his proteins. And uh, he came out hot. He just come out and started slinging it at, at Raph and I, and we were here talking about, you know, empathy. And uh, so what we're going to do to start off is we're going to eliminate that so you know what it's like not to have empathy, crush his his soul, and then we'll go back and talk about how to fix it.
1: (laughs) People don't know what a pickle suit is. Is it green like a pickle from the Lower East Side in Manhattan? Is a pickle like the button you push on the control column when you want to release a, a weapon off an aircraft?
2: Well, I think no, there's you- two different versions. Like there, there's the non-pilot description and then there's the pilot description. I mean, we could ask you, Melon. you sleep in it. You sleep <laughs> in it, you know, so I mean, you lay in it and think about how great of a commander you are and, you know, all that stuff. And then you wake up and drink your coffee and then you come on the show with this type of attitude. Why don't you describe what a pickle suit is?
1: Everybody's saying Top Gun or Top Gun 2, don't they? So it's, it's basically much-
2: like a second penis. Got it.
0: yeah melon melon walks around looking like like a dill pickle literally all day thanks like a everybody
1: like everybody 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 that's that's the one word answer we all know everybody knows it's a green uniform with patches on it and mr mike gets wound up it's a
2: masculine onesie is what it is
1: oh there you go looks like a mechanic Looks like a mechanic, but not everybody knows it's a flying suit. Raf, what he wears now, pretty much looks like either a taxi driver slash golf cart driver at the airport. Go ahead, Raf. You were gonna say something.
0: No, it just it kind of brought to mind. I remember for a while the army was trying to bring that some idiot probably had a couple stars on a shoulder board, decided it'd be a good idea to take a pickle suit and l- literally put the um, the combat pattern they use uh into our well not the initial invasion Iraq because that was Tans, but what came right after the tan it like basically it's like what you could use only to assault a cement factory. Like it's the only thing that pattern worked for. It was the dumbest design on earth and it was like this digital gray. And I literally saw I think, yeah, it was a it was a some dude that he was like part of the, the, the beta group or whatever. And they released these to a small unit probably out of DC somewhere. Anyways these dudes were running around pickle suits with like the digital gray pattern. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean it was I hate to use the word retarded, but it was retarded. <laughs> like it was just, I, the fact that there was people, and the thing is, you knew that there was like a process where like, you know, uh, different stages, people were like, oh yeah, we need to approve this so it can go further. Cause you know, Uncle Sugar's got to cut the check. And the fact that all these idiots were like, no, no, it looks great. Yeah, we're gonna just have digital pattern suits in a, in, in a, in a, in a pilot. It just, it, I almost wish I, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna pull up a picture eventually and show it to you guys, It's it's ridiculous. So we can
1: get that in the show notes. If there was a uniform change that everybody hated, you know that there's either a second or a third star has gone onto someone's shoulder normally. I mean, everyone's standing around going, What the freaking hell is this thing? And you go, yeah. Oh, someone got promoted.
2: Well, my favorite, yeah. my favorite uniform since we're talking about it, was the Navy when they went to the blue, they called them blueberries, but the blue digital ones that they have. Uh, no better camouflage than the fall overboard out in the, out in the blue ocean and uh you know disappear <laughs> so <laughs> i mean like what kind of thinking was that i mean it was just like uh i, I think it was just the cover to be like oh we lost them they're overboard and no, don't even bother you know
0: <laughs> we don't want to waste our resources
2: yeah 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 it's just like hey we're camouflaging the water like he's doing his job let him go
0: they're like wait who fell over mcfad yeah we're not we're not gonna steer back we're gonna keep going <laughs> we're gonna keep steaming ahead yeah. all, all <laughs> engines ahead <laughs> I mean, not I, worth the resources.
1: I, the best thing about a camouflage for a guy on a ship is ships, in my limited understanding, are fairly large. You know what I mean? Like, it's not normally the guy standing on the boat is the giveaway. <laughs> you know, doing a radar cross section, that thing's coming in at like 50, 80, 100 miles. It's not the guy standing on the friggin' side of the boat. Yeah. You know? Good stuff.
0: Yeah. That, that, just to add to the stupidity, there was a time where the army actually would force its kilo pilots to wear face paint when they were doing ground exercises in their helos, because the idea was, yeah, I mean, think about that. And it's true. I had a lot of senior ones who would be like, it was the dumbest thing. They would, we would literally wear face paint, you know, going into an aerosol. I'm like, for what? They're like, who knows? You know where that
2: came from? That came from, I think it's Seer level a on the, uh, what is it? The NKO, AKO, JKO, Knowledge online that every branch in the military has to do. There's like seer level A, which is online now, and it's just like you've landed in enemy territory. What do you do? And it's like tie bushes to your legs. <laughs> it's like it's like the most stupid shit about seer training that like everybody's supposed to go through. So they probably got some dumbass shit from that training, and they're just like, yeah, that's that's a great idea
0: well and and they all said without fail as soon as you put that stupid uh face paint on it literally you're you have a helmet you're in a flight suit you've got all this gear guess what happens is you start to sweat and it starts to just drip down your face so you know by the time you hit the axe, there's everyone's face paint is you know like running down like you know like a dirty horn mascara on you know on a walk of shame yeah it's yeah. Anyways, good times.
1: It's just, it's just the kind of stuff that you do not want to look in the flight station and see a dude trying to get out of his eyes while he's coming into it like, now Is that You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so. Trying to rub so the face paint out of his eyes.
2: Random, random story just literally popped in my head. I'll share it because it's pretty funny. Since we're talking about uniforms, I don't think we've ever talked about like official uniforms or marking. All right. So I was in uh, Southeast Africa uh, on the continent in a place called Malawi. And uh, I was there training their Marine Corps, their um, Malawi Defense Force, the MDF. And uh, we were training them along the coastline to do uh, assaults and raids, doing stuff in the water, coming from the water, whatever. And this one evolution, we we had these boats and they were coming in, like their boats and they were coming in doing uh, fire support. And if you're on land and you're calling in like, fire support from boats you have to use like a certain marker or whatever to be like hey this is our position so we gave him like this uh it's called a vs17 panel it's uh it's really really bright pink on one side and really bright orange on the other so it's not earth color and it pops in all like all environments and you can see it so we gave them to the these guys well the guy that was supposed to mark lost his it like fell out of his pocket somewhere or he didn't bring it I, I don't know so we're sitting there and you know coaching these guys on how to do it. And there's like, you know, these boats are getting ready to shoot blanks, of course. And uh, I was like, Hey man, you need to mark, you need to mark, you need to mark. And <laughs> I've never seen this before. I was like, where's your BS 17 panel? And he's like, Oh, he just shrugs. Like he just panics. He pulls it. He turns around, pulls his pants down. He's got these bright ass red boxer shorts on and just bends over and <laughs> moon, moons the boats and the boats see it and say hey, we see your mark and they start shooting <laughs> I, I've never laughed so hard sit there and the whole the whole group's fucking howling and this dude's just confidently he's not even laughing he's bent over with his red his, his red boxer shorts down to his knees just bright as shit standing in the middle of the, the wood line facing the water and oh my god dude I was like, I wish I would have recorded that. That was hilarious. Uniforms mean everything.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Africa. What an animal. We, we, have, we, have a great, we have a great saying in Africa. What makes sense is nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of my time there. I'm just saying, like, I'm not beating anybody down in particular. There's just stuff that does not match with Western philosophy and planning and ideals. And it's just completely 180. And that was our our little saying for a long time was what makes sense is nonsense. One of those things we were like, why aren't you doing this? Oh, because A, B, and C. And you're just like, "Uh uh-huh. Well, okay. (laughs) like.
0: big ups huh all right i'll see you later
1: yeah exactly exactly get the word why and replace it with the word yes
2: (laughs) great tip great tip
1: so ruff you were thinking during the week empathy i mean (laughs) listeners might be forgiven for thinking that you know some of us on this show have a few rough edges and we may be not known for our overly warm and empathetic natures but you've obviously had some thoughts during the week and you, you thought, no, 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 this is the topic. The time is now. We are the people to talk about this. We're going to educate some people. We're going to help out. So what were your thoughts?
0: No, it's, and it's funny that you say that because I actually thought I'm with a group that has zero empathy. And so I think even if we increase your empathy by just a green. You know, a grain of salt, and I think it, it'd be worth it. Would be worth the efforts because, especially after hearing your story, as uh, as how you're known in the squadron, um, <laughs> I think that really solidified what I always known to be true. Uncle Melon. Yeah, yeah, S- yeah, S- S- or Slam-t- um, Slam-t- yeah, Senti Claus, or Senti cunt.
2: Blancte Claus.
0: Yeah, Senti. I um no, it just coincidentally. I've listened to a couple of podcasts uh, while I've been traveling. Um, I'm in SoCal right now, by the way, visiting uh my my kinfolk.
1: Shout but, out, but-
0: shout out to the extended
1: Espinoza clan, by the way, mate. Yeah, I
0: yeah. yeah, appreciate it. Miguel, Miguel.
1: Great trip, you with Miguel and Santa Maria.
0: Yeah. I'm man, sure there's just, gonna
1: be some amazing home cooked food
0: coming your way. There's already been, dude. There's already I've already breaking my macro count just because the- you know, macro count doesn't count or it doesn't really work if you're, if you're eating Maria's food, like because within the first meal, you're well past your macro count. So it's yeah, it's been good. It's been a balance. But um, anyways, I've been listening to some podcasts and I've been reading some articles. And it's it's interesting, Mike, that you mentioned I think you said this offline. You're like, you know, empathy is a big not a big word, but or an, I don't even want to call it a buzzword, but it is important right now in the business world. And, and I remember when you said that, I thought, well, it's more than just the business world. I mean, it, it's literally absent across the spectrum of society. It's, it's absent. We know it's absent politically. Jesus. I mean, just turn on the, the tally and you turn you know go to CNN or go to Fox. Like, it's like immediate. You notice that there's like hate for the other side. Um, there's obviously no empathy. There's empathy lacking in the business world as well, actually. And I, like I said, I read a, uh, a Forbes article and it was just talking about just the power, the empowerment of empathy. You know, when, when a business model really tries to push empathy on its employees and its associates, just how much further they go. Uh, and it just kind of showcased a couple of like really great companies that have been trying to use this kind of formulated framework to really integrate it into like their day to day operations. And how much like how much everything's just like increased tenfold. You know, not like they have less turnover. Usually, there's more. Um, uh, like, better interaction, you know, uh, better intercommunication between groups, there's tighter niche, it, like, it suddenly becomes this, like, family environment, right, where it's, like, people will go above and beyond to help their, what what normally would you just call an associate, right, because if someone's an associate, you're going to only, only do enough to help them at work, but they started realizing that once this, these things were implemented, they started to to, like, help each other outside of work, and they started to, like, really know each other and really, You just make those, you know, those Herculean efforts to just go above and beyond. So I thought that was interesting. And then kind of to tie all that off on the way into to L.A. to visit my folks, I was listening to a podcast just because we talked about uh, Wes Watson with uh, Nick Grossi the other day. I was listening to one of his uh, it's not his podcast, but he was on as a guest with this guy named. And I've never I did not even know about maybe you guys know about this guy's name is Bedro. I'm going to screw up his last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yep, yep. That dude's a savage, man. That guy. Now he's, he's I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm surprised if it's taken me this long to know who he is. Um, but he said something specifically towards the end that really caught my attention. I actually backed it up and listened to it like three times. And, and he was just basically talking about his when he realized that he had actually reached the real level of mastery. Was not doing all the other stuff, you know, not making millions, not waking up at five in the morning, not you know taking health and and fitness seriously. He said the true mastery in his life, when you realize he kind of arrived, so to speak, even though no one really should be arriving, um, is when he realized, and he said it was, uh, it was a couple, well, it's almost six years now, because this thing is a couple years old. But he said, at that time, he said, four years ago, he's like, it dawned on me that I didn't have the same level of empathy for my family and my, and my close friends that I have with my clients, because he does a lot of online coaching. And he said and I, I wanted to understand why that was, right? And, uh, and that one really stuck with me because I, I talk about it often, you know, I love my family, I love my wife, but we're, we're a married couple, we have issues, and it's almost always because I'm lacking empathy or I don't try to put myself in her shoes and I don't try to understand her point of view and it's, it, it creates um, friction. And he was saying that he realized that the reason he's had the most difficult time showing the same level of empathy for his family that he does for clients, you know, meaning he shows less with his empathy, is because he realized that his proximity to his family is way significantly closer. Meaning, dude, they know my weaknesses, you know, and if I make myself vulnerable, they know exactly where my weaknesses are. So, not to say they're going to leverage against him, but he says, I think it's that internal fear of like exposing your, exposing your most vulnerability to the people that truly, truly know you. It's true that we, and and he made him, he made a comment, and this totally hit it off with me because I was like, that's so true. He said, you know, I had a client one time that said, you know, Pedro, for whatever reason, I can, I've talked about stuff with my friends that I will never talk about with my spouse. And he said, you're doing it wrong. He's like, but I understand why you're doing it wrong. And he's like, and I only told him that I understood because I myself had been struggling with that. And he said, it's because our, you know, it's that proximity thing where they know your vulnerability. And if you try to like, let's say elevate to a certain level with with like with your spouse and uh and let's say you don't follow through let's say you you have a misstep like let's say hey tonight we're gonna eat you know i'll take something as an example let's say some aubrey and i've talked about i said hey every dinner i'd like to sit down at a table just the three of us you soren and i and not have any electronics i was kind of afraid to say it because i know that i'm i can be terrible with my own electronics and i didn't want to I don't want it to come off as judgmental. I don't want it to come off as like, oh, you're what, you're trying to be like something better now I've seen you with your with your stupid laptop on your hand and your phone and you're texting your you podcast and you're doing all these things. So the, So that fear of like having some blowback and having it throw back in my face because my pattern in the past hasn't been hasn't been that. Um, that, that legitimate fear kind of kept me from asking my wife, who is literally should be my partner in crime, um, to do something that I, f- I feel is really, really important for the family. And, but that's exactly what we're talking about. They're like the proximity of it. You know that that person knows your biggest failures, right? And whether they do it directly or indirectly, that stuff gets thrown back into your face. And that usually is what keeps you from showing the most empathy because it empathy really at the end of the day, especially in, in the sense of a stoic, is um, vulnerability. You know, you're exposing your most vulnerable side and hopes twofold in hopes that you understand that person, right? Because you, you really want to put yourself in that, that person's shoes, that person's mind. But it's also um, making yourself most value, uh, malleable so that you can hopefully understand that other person's experience as best as possible, even though it's you know it's easier said than done. Um, but yeah, yeah anyways, it, it's I, I, all that stuff kind of came together as very congruent. I was like, damn, that's, a, that's something really that sh- we should be talking about.
2: Raph, I think that you hit it on the head. And I really liked your example about talking about proximity and vulnerability about the closest people know your failures and your most intimate feelings of where you fell short. And you know, you know, you know, I know what I fall short in or things that I struggle with or whatever. And when I share that with the closest people to me, the last thing I want is to be attacked for it. You know what I mean? And And it makes you like ball up. Um, But, you know, what you're talking about, the definition of empathy shouldn't get confused with sympathy, right? Because some people try to say some things and you're like, oh, you just want sympathy. You just want somebody to feel bad for you. Uh, The difference is empathy is you've experienced the same thing someone else has or similar. And you're like, I understand how you feel. Sympathy is when something bad happens to somebody else and you go, oh, I don't know what that's like, but I feel bad for you because I see you're in pain right so that's the difference one you you've lived it the other one you you try to just give comfort because you don't understand everything so try not to get them confused but that proximity oh my god dude yes i've experienced this many many times um and it is just so hard to communicate when it's like that because it's like i want to be honest with you i want to give you, like you said, dude, that's your wife. You know, it's like, I want to give you everything, but whenever I do, I feel like I'm going to get attacked for something, you know? And like, you ain't got to tell me I I made a mistake in the past or that I've had something in the past where I fell short. We all have, you know, like Raph, you could be telling my story right now. I just like how you said it, you know, like, yeah, I know I do nine out of 10 times I do this, but it's like, but this one time I want to put it in the effort to take the phone away at the table. So I hope you can feel that and understand that, you know, like, man, insert blank here, you know, and yeah. it in for all of us.
0: And just, some, just cause just to touch on what you said, Mike, um, and, and he said the exact, obviously back to Bedro and I, I just liked the way he said it. I think it was either him or Wes Watson, but one of them said, you know, when your friend, when a good buddy of yours, you know, maybe throw something back on your face. You might feel that as betrayal and it's going to sting and it's going to hurt a little bit, but then eventually due to proximity, because this is a friend, it's not, it's not your wife. It's not your mate. It's not your, someone that you genuinely love. Um, You know, it's going to sting a little bit, but you can easily create distance, right? You're like, all right, I guess we're never going to talk again, whatever, you know, or maybe we do around the corner, whatever. Versus, you know, your spouse, when that falls apart, dude, you're drowning, right? You're, you're literally underwater, because things aren't right at home. You know, it just, it just, it spirals real quickly. And I thought, damn, there's, that's true. But I just love that he said, if you can transcend that, if you could literally transcend and expose yourself and really practice empathy, he's like, you've reached real mastery. And I was like, you're right. Cause I would say that that's literally one of the biggest things that I struggle with.
1: It's funny, Raph, I, I must've gone to the same after talking with Nick Grossi to the same Wes Watson and seeing the same Bedros Koulian talk. Because, you know, I've just been sitting here listening to hear what did you get out of it, you know, because he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's, he's got several businesses. He's very, very high net wealth individual. He's got a chain of um, fitness stuff. He's probably middle-aged is a good way to describe him. And he's in, he's in great shape. He's an older guy with a thick beard. And, uh, you know, he's, he seems to be the kind of guys in public speaking engagements, he owns businesses and he's a like motivation, fitness, all of that sort of sphere is what he does. And seeing him talk about that, <clears throat> just before you, you said Bedros and I had written down here psychological safety, which is like the space where you can then express that empathy. You know, like you can let your, your barriers down and, and communicate with people. And there's really something about the fact that like, People are able to share, say, with a psychologist, everything they can share. You can sometimes share with a stranger stuff that you'd find very difficult to share with close loved ones. And there's something in that where it's like you're revealing yourself to someone who knows you. And you know, you can just sort of straight up say stuff to people when they when they don't know your backstory. But when you're like now having to confess something and maybe you're going to change. It might have been on you that was being a bit fake or whatever, and you're having to be now real with someone, that's difficult. Like all of us can get confronted and feel stuck in those situations. So there's really something, I think, I think the Bedros has nailed something very specific here that is key around that proximity, vulnerability, and where, where it fits with empathy, because we see it, you see it at work, you see it in, families in sporting groups any interaction with people the people who are able to genuinely like they they let you know that they are able to have the feeling that they think you're having you know like you're happy about something you're coming up with good news and you see them brighten themselves their face lifts the body language changes and they're like riding up with you and they don't even know what it is yet or the same person when you're like you're sort of morose and you've had bad news and you, you're tr- letting them know that there's some, been some bad news inside the family and they're already like letting you know that they're feeling that, they know that feeling. It, it, it's like a 10X multiplier and you've got someone like that in your team at work, in you know, sporting situation, et cetera. So these are people who are able to put themselves in your shoes and the people who can do that, it's, it, it is a different experience to be around them. Like I, I know that... And it's something to, to work towards. And it's difficult when you're like, I think in a work environment where you've got deadlines and so on, and you're trying to focus on productivity and achieving a mission and so on, can be very difficult to maintain sometimes the empathy part, the EQ side, which can slip like the soft skills, letting people know they're valued and you know, maintaining gratitude and thankfulness and being a servant leader and all that stuff can really slip in times of high pressure. And it's something that I'm, I struggle with myself. So I'd be really interested to hear how you guys feel that.
0: Mike, I know you want to say something. And I'll give it back to you here in a second. So it's interesting. I just want to tie a story to this. I was on my way to the airport um, to get down here. I was listening to Breaking Points uh, with Segar and, and Crystal Ball. Um, and they, were, they covered a piece on a UPS worker. It's a, she was pregnant. Um, and she, she basically got let go. Um, she, I think cause she fell asleep on the job. I don't know the backstory. I just know. I remember listening about them talking about that. There's more stuff under investigation, but basically the manager, usually the protocol is the manager, the person that lets you go tells you in person. And then, you know, after you discuss whatever the issue, then usually they escort you out after you get your stuff. And for whatever reason, this manager d- didn't do that. Didn't like just, I think notified her and I might be getting these details wrong, but I think he notified her. Not the standard company way. And then basically didn't make sure that, you know, she was safely escorted out. They kind of just, they just left her alone and to wander around the warehouse. So she's all distraught. She's whatever. She goes to the bathroom. She ends up dying. I think she ended up committing suicide in there. Um, so when you say that thing about high pressure environments, I immediately thought of UPS in that story where it's a high pressure environment. They're moving boxes, merchandise, time is money, I'm sure that is always being. That mantra is probably being repeated over the loudspeaker, like a North Korean slave labor camp. But um, the point is, you've got the situation where, again, I don't know all the details, but it sounds like it's awful familiar to what you're talking about, you know, where that eek, that EV kind of slips in these high pressure environments. And that's honestly it just shows goes to show how much more important it is to be, to be used in those environments, because the, the results can be catastrophic. And I mean, a woman losing her life and her, her, her baby's life because she was pregnant. I mean, that's about as tragic as it could be. So I think that's a good story to tie into what you were talking about, just to kind of, Give a little bit of fabric to that, I guess.
2: That's uh, <clears throat> a it's pretty sad story to hear that. Uh, I could, I, I, that's more sympathy. I, I I couldn't imagine. I never experienced that, and I never will. But I couldn't imagine that, man. What uh, what was kind of brewing up in my head is, I think, for men especially, practicing empathy is so hard, or having empathy given to you, because everybody you know, thinks that men have it all together, that we're supposed to be right all the time, we can handle everything. And uh, I'll openly admit, the hardest times I've ever been hurting, like emotionally, have been when I've tried to be empathetic or open myself up emotionally to somebody and just pour my, my, literally pour my heart out to them. And it's just like, they just smile and grab it and just stomp on it on the floor. You know, was and that made, like,
1: was that me at the start of the call?
2: No, Melon. We couldn't even understand Melon. His internet was all jacked up. We we told him he sounded like he had kangaroo shit in his mouth, and like we were like, <laughs> he, he wasn't even ready. He wasn't even ready for the day. He was in the kitchen, eating his food, eating his protein, didn't have his microphone hooked up. He's in his pickle suit still with kangaroo shit in his mouth. Like we're like, dude, are you professional at all? Like, do you just leave the work environment and come home and just like fuck it? Like, what happened to you? Anyway, Emp- moving on. I digress
0: as Raph like empathy. To
1: say that the, the listeners got to experience a little bit of empathy then.
0: You know all, all the audience, all the audience needs to know is that melon has the show notes this week. That's all people need to <laughs>
2: know. Damn right. He does. <laughs>
0: but
2: all right. So now I want to take it back into the Valley here. No, but some of the, some of the worst times I've ever been hurt is when I've tried to open myself up and express my feelings as a guy. Um, most of the time, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Uh, most of the time, it's women that, that hurt me the most, you know, whether it's it was, uh, you know, my my ex-wife or somebody I've I've dated or like been with anything like that. That's that's been the worst pain is when I'm like, hey, here you go. I'm going to let you see the side. And then it's just a bombardment of hard shit, you know what I mean? And then instantly, what am I going to do? my my, my wall is going to go up my shell is going to go up and i'm like well fuck i don't want to do that again you know like I, I tried being real with you and honest and instead of instead of like looking at me and like giving me a hug saying i'm so sorry i understand i've been through that um let's figure this out together it's 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 a well why do you feel like that like is there you know blah blah blah, blah, blah and it's just like this bombardment so whoa that's not i'm not trying to create a problem here i'm trying to open up to you so you can understand what i've been through or where i've come from or what i'm feeling you know and it's just uh it's not healthy um that that's been the hardest for me man you know and we talk about our high profile jobs and the outside perception you know it's just like nobody would ever think about this you know special ops guy coming to you and being like hey i'm broken I don't know how, I don't know how to feel anymore. I I don't have direction. I feel lost. I feel alone by myself. I can't sleep, you know, and I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, well, you must be really fucked up then because you're a piece of shit. And, you know, SF guys, they got their shit together and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, okay, you're not listening to me. Like, you're really not listening to what I'm trying to explain and let you feel uh, that it's very serious. It's very deep. And um, I see guys get shut off a lot. I see women console each other more. Um, I see a man being a protector. Like I think we're meant to be. We were built to be a protector of women and children. Uh, so when you see a child that's struggling, uh, if you see a woman that's struggling, we're instantly we should be there to be like, Hey, what's wrong? How are you? Why why are you hurting? What's wrong? And and stand up and be the man. Um, I don't think it goes back the other way as much, and it sucks. Go ahead, Melon.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Mike. That's all pretty heavy, right? And it, and it's true. I will also say on the flip side, this is not obviously to do with you, but a lot of people who have been hurt, like when a guy is shit, like the man of the house or a person in the street, that that can really leave a lot of scars for people, so- when men behave badly as well, there are a lot of victims who really suffer, and it can be lifelong damage that's left behind there. So like I'm sorry that you've had those experiences. And I think, I think part and parcel of having a relationship with people, where you, like in those intimate relationships, you you cannot have those relationships work and maintain a wall between you. And when you lower that wall and you share yourself, you by virtue of the relationship or exposing yourself and that other person has a lot of power you know and trying not to hand that power over and being tentative like that fucks up a lot of relationships too you know people not able to communicate not able to open up not able to expose themselves you know, emotionally crippled like nobody wants to hang around with someone like that either and so what's the answer it's difficult you know to be able to resolve any trauma that's occurred and then you know, walk forward to the next relationship, square your shoulders and open again, you know, and, and give it a go. That's the only thing I've seen work. Um
2: well, let's let's talk about some things. Like what are some ways say say we have a situation like that? You know what I mean? Like what can the three of us bring out about how to fix that? You know, like how do you move forward in these different, you know, businesses personal relationships at work, like what are some things that we can do? And then also maybe ask other people to do, like how do we communicate that the best way?
1: If you're happy, one that has always worked for me and that I've seen other people use really well is a line from Stephen Covey who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, an amazing thought leader, Christian man, an amazing person. And it's seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think a lot of people come into interactions with like they've got a point they really want to get across and that certainly men are really can be really focused on our goal. It's like I need to let this other person know this key bit of information, you know, where they went wrong or whatever it is because we're talking about an emo- a relationship. And if you're able to shelve that and start with I need to understand this other person's point of view because they're a rational actor as well and what they're doing is is coming from something like what they're doing is congruent with their belief in the way they see the world. They're doing something that they think is logical. If you start from trying to get that part understood first in a relationship, in a workplace, and then when you've got their point clearly, often there's a space now. They they are not in opposition to you also trying to get their point across and like, I can't lose my place here. I've got to transmit first. When you've been able to step to the side and draw that information out, then there's often a space, a natural space, where they now will ask, like, what is your side? And you're able then to get your bit across. And it's after that's occurred that I've had success, that there's been, you know, like maybe I've been going in there thinking I know exactly what the problem is and what the solution is. And something else has become apparent when I've really got the other person's side. So that the bit at the start is, like, assuming that the other person's a rational actor, that they've got some information you don't have. And it could be, it's difficult sometimes you're in the middle of a, a fight with your spouse or there's stuff going down at work, but seek first to understand and then to be understood after that has really worked for me. Raf, are you going to jump in?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I really like what you just said there. I mean, that's that's pretty well stated. Um, I was just going to add to that. I think another tool that you could use for any of the listeners, even especially for ourselves is the view that the Stoics took, um, which is basically in a nutshell, it's struggle is struggle is strength. That is where you gain your most strength. So instead of, you know, we talked about this. Instead of like, you know, letting looking at these issues and these problems and this emotional uh, this emotional impact that you've got through the lens of like, woe is me? She left me because I'm a piece of shit." And you know, listen, all that might be true. But the reality is, at some point, you've got to just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, is like they like to say. But the Stoics were really good about that, and they—and it's not because they were against, you know, feeling any sort of emotion, or you know, it's not like you're trying to be. The idea is not to be cold, but it's—it's like they said, it's like you want to see the world accurately and detach yourself, detach yourself from externalities that might affect you from actually growing and kind of doing the virtuous thing. And I think that when you're in real pain it's really easy to have an emotional response versus a cognitive response, right? A cognitive response. You're actually thinking through it, um, logically. And you're like, Hey, if I just, you know, like for instance, you have a really bad, and we've all been there. No, There's no reason I'm bringing it up. You have a really bad breakup as a young man, even as an older man. And some people's responses, I'm going to immediately go just get shit face drunk, you know, which honestly it might make you feel good for about, I don't know, Thirty minutes, if that. But what happens after that? Not only are you hungover, not only are your thoughts all over the place. Not you know, what I mean, like you're low. You're like a low frequency uh, living, so you're at the lowest possible, like physiologically, mentally, all that stuff. And and at the end of the day, you didn't fix anything. Even even if you got some strange that night and went off and and, you know, knocked the boots or, you know, got somebody in the hucklebuck, it still didn't help you. Like, honest to God, it's still, you're still in the same place. I would say you probably even regressed. So I think that really trying to seek out a stoic mentality where it's like, you just, if you are suffering, look at that suffering and look at it like realistically, like, why am I in this position? And use that as a source of strength to move forward and move out of that. And it's not easy, clearly, because uh, this is where people like Dr. Aaron would come into play and using those sort of resources. But, I'm, but I have no doubt, and I, I hate to speak on her behalf, but I have no doubt that's probably some of the steps that she would tell you to take, right? To take, to look at the issue, you know, kind of um, deconstruct the issue, figure out what what went wrong, you know, where where you're accountable. That's that's always a big part, you know, accountability. Look, look at the man in the mirror and be like, how did I F this up? Clearly it was, there's two in this equation. So um, anyways, yeah, I honestly think that looking at the world and looking at the, the world's problem historically is probably a really, really good start for everybody. And I think that would be a tool that I would use.
2: That's great. Um, you know, I, I I have an example of, um, you know, just sitting there like trying to communicate and we're talking about, you know, you, you have to be able to send and receive and both people need to be able to do that in a, especially during like a big issue right if you're if you have some type of issue and it's coming out and you're just like oh my god you know like why you know like raf said like why did you go out and get drunk last night what's wrong with you and like i didn't know where you were and this that whatever then it's just like okay you both need to will be willing to come to the table sit down and be like i'm going to maybe set some ground rules right like some people were just like hey here's here's the rules right here and write them down or put them in front of you just be like hey this is what we're not going to do. Right. And try to establish a base and be like, Hey, look, we're not going to yell. We're not going to point the finger. We're not, we're when someone, the other person's talking, you're not going to interrupt, like let them speak, you know? And I've been to counseling before I've been to couples counseling. I've been to, you know, whatever. And this is all stuff they've told us like in there is just like, Hey, when one person is speaking, it's their time. They're allowed to express and say whatever they want. And then once they're done and they say they're done, all right, now you can respond in a, a, you know, I don't want to say mature manner because then it makes everybody sound childish and they get, they could get offended, but you know, you just want to have that snapback or be like, oh no, that's not the truth. Or, oh, that's, that's what it really is. Oh, what if it's this other thing? And it's like, we're not getting anywhere by doing that, you know, and it's got to be even on both sides and, and, and you have to want to commit to finding a solution not just attack the problem, attack the problem, or, you know, go down the rabbit hole. And uh, that leads to frustration. It feels like you're not being heard. Um, Then it's just like, at what point am I just going to like draw the line and just like, we're getting nowhere and I just need to walk away, you know, because like, it just happens, you know, it's just like, I'm here trying to put in the effort, trying to communicate, let you know how I feel. But then also like Raph said is logically explaining certain processes or thought processes. Why did you do this? Well, I thought that, and this goes back to like making mistakes or unhealthy habits. Right. And it's just like, I thought I was doing the right thing because I saw a B and C right. Versus just why well, I didn't give a fuck. I just did it. You know, like <laughs> there's a difference there. Um, You got to set those ground rules to even start that conversation. And I honestly think if both sides, maybe after 10 minutes, if both sides are not adhering to those rules, maybe it's just like, hey, today's not a good day. This isn't a good time. Maybe we would need a third party to sit in and kind of keep us honest, uh, or we just try again another day or something. Go ahead, Rev.
0: Yeah, just to build on what you just said, Mike, because that's actually brilliantly said, um, and this is my own personal experience. Whenever my wife and I have ever been in a kind of a bad place, I have noticed, and I'm not surprised after everything I've listened to, um, I have noticed that after we both work out or after we both do something physically demanding, and obviously our um, our energy st- our energy levels are high and we're just, you know, usually a good set sweat equity as I like to call it puts you kind of in a good mental space. I noticed that we seem to be more affectionate and more reasonable uh, post workout, post run, post something. And like I said, I'm not surprised because everything I've been listening to, it seems like points in that direction before you tackle a massive problem that you might be, that you feel, that you might feel is, is crushing you, whether it's personal, you know, interpersonal, whatever it is. Honestly, man, and, I've heard, and I'm not the first one to say this, put on your shoes and go for a run, knock out. You know, Wes Watson says he in prison, whenever he was dealing with like massive issues, he would literally just fucking literally start doing like 300 burpees. He said, by the end of those 300 burpees, you, your mind is so focused on just functioning at such a high level that you, not only are you able to deal with the issue, but whatever the issue is, most likely went away, right? Because of that, um, that dopamine, kind of sense of like, you're related, you're, you're, you're just at a higher level, mentally, physiologically, physically. Um, I, I honestly, there's something to that. And I, I'm not a scientist, hopefully, and I'm sure, hopefully, uh, Andrew Huberman talks on it. So I can, I can be like, look, Dr. Huberman said it too, like, and they just kind of uh, validates what I'm saying. But I have noticed personally, that when my wife and I do go out for our workout, or even a walk, right, even if we go walk, and I come back, because I've done this before, I'll just go walk the property, I come back, I'm in such a better space, and I'm able to receive whatever it is. And, I, and it's interesting, because you, Mike, you just said sometimes you get criticism, and it's like you're being attacked, and I, and I have noticed that when I go get my, my blood flowing, and I come back, I don't see her critique of me as an attack, and I see it more as like her just trying to be honest. It's interesting, even my perception of what she's trying to tell me changes, right? just because I'm at such a better state. And I think there's something to that.
1: In those states, especially when it's in the intimate relationship, the, th- the threat, and like I've heard some evolutionary psychologists talk about this, the threat that you're getting from that other person is like, it's at the, th- the same level of threat as death, because it's like procreation and an evolutionary scale. You are being judged and you are not going to be, pro- your DNA is not going to be passed on. So it can be massively visceral—the feeling and the reaction, the cortisol and adrenaline and everything that's hitting the the body and the heart rate—and you're in that fight or flight, and you're not going to be making good decisions. You're not going to—you most likely not going to have the logical part of your brain functioning at its best level. And so that advice that raf is giving here, of getting out into a physical environment, at least changing the the space you're in, getting out of the room or the the house or the car, going for a run get hit in the gym, gives you a chance to burn that stuff off, shift your state and come back in with a clearer head. And, you know, my mum used to yell at us all when when we were teenage, the three McFadden boys, it was all like, you need to go for a run around the block. And invariably you're in a different state when you came back. One of the things I wanted to add as well was another way of looking at this is the internal versus external locus responsibility. And that just means whether you see the world as being, something that occurs to you from the outside or whether you are the one who's in control of your world and whether you're the one causing it and in nearly every area where there's a breakdown which is you know what we're talking about here a restoration of uh, a relationship after some some negative interaction there's got to be some part of it that you can think about logically pardon me and you can take responsibility for and it's not like making some bs up and taking responsibility for someone else being a a POS or whatever, but there'll be there could be some element in you the way you behaved that you set them up or you triggered them or that you were not you know being your best person or you're in a reactionary state and got triggered and and said some stuff. And if you're able to start from where is the part I can take responsibility for, often that is the opening of the conversation that the other person may have been waiting for, and you've just created a space now for the conversation to flow. Like I know that anytime I've had a negative interaction, the ones where I've been able to take that first step and initiate some kind of an apology and take responsibility for a bit, it's always flowed into an amazing interaction afterwards. And, and I've never not had a reciprocation of them then saying, this is the bit that I did, you know? and it's, But I've had to leave the environment. So I've used a bit of what Raph has just said. You know, I'm sitting there stewing and I'm like, man... This person's a so and so, and all the rest of it. And I've, you know, gone on my bike and done some exercise and been in a different state. And I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot, you know? And it's like, it doesn't have to be a lot longer later. But you're just not in the same place. You haven't been having the mind churning over that same negative thought. You've given it a chance to break that sort of let the CD skip. You've given it a bump. And then, boom, the natural, natural thing often is, right, you know what? There's something here. I've been a total uh, douchebag. I'm able to just take responsibility for this bit that's in the space. And then boom, they take some of their bit and now you're able to sort of get back in a flow. So that's something that's worked for me.
2: And I think that's such a problem. Um, You know, I I do it. I do it sometimes. I I know you guys have, but it's just like, when you know that you do something wrong or you you just, you misfire and you're like, damn it. Like, that's not what I wanted to happen, but I did it. Like, What's the absolute worst thing that's going to come? I mean, I, okay, if it's like a minor thing, okay, like wh- whatever. Now, if you like, you're a psychopath, you just committed murder or like, you just like pre-planned something, okay, totally different. But like your daily life, you know, if like, oh shit, I forgot to do this or yeah, I didn't do that. And 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 then you're just like, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen when you stop and say, yeah, you know what? I messed it up. It, it's one yeah when you just finally say it, it's like a relief, right? It's just like, Oh yeah, it's it's out there. You're not bottling it up. You're not trying to, you know, put a different name on it or whatever. Um, And and you're just like, yeah, I can just let this out. It feels good. And just like, yeah, I messed up. Like I do it at work all the time. You know, like last, last week I was training with my guys and I went in and I knew I was, I made a wrong call. And as soon as we were done, I was like, yeah, you know what? I should have did this instead. Like that's JV of me. Like, I don't know why I did that, but I should have went over there. I was staring at it and I should have went over there and I didn't do it. Like, damn, just putting it out there. Like guys hear it. And they're just like, okay, Hey, he knows what he did wrong. He acknowledges it. And he's not pointing the finger at anybody else. He's not, he's not running away. He's not being, he's not being toxic. He's not screaming. He's not, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't point out anybody else's deficiencies to cover his, his own. He was just like, Hey, yeah, he's there. And I really try to do that. Do I hit the mark every time? No. Like, it's just realistic. I I, I really try. So like, I, I always tell my guys, hopefully nine out of t- 10 times, you're going to see me show up, be present, be open, be like, admit to my, my, my failures, uh, praise you guys in victory. Like I'm, I'm in it and around it. But yeah, I'm going to have that one time sometimes when when I don't meet the mark, whether I had a bad day, whether I'm emotional and I allow my emotions to take over uh, or whatever. Like, I'm not the perfect robot, (laughs) you know, like one time you do it, you know, like I think, Mel, and you talked about when you taught that dude weightlifting, it's like, oh, yeah, how long do I have to do this for? Oh, just the rest of your life, you know, sustaining that is hard. Sustaining anything is hard because life happens, different things happen, emotions happen, pain happens, um, all of it. And just having somebody around that's willing to just go, okay, hey, you can tell me whatever you want, and we're going to be good. You know, that's how I feel with you guys. You know, why I can literally open up and talk to you about anything is because I know you're not going to run. I know you're not going to go, well, you're the biggest piece of shit in the world and I've never done anything wrong. Uh, and just attack me until I'm being like instantly, well, I I should talk to you because you're, you, you guys are like my big brothers, but I don't want to talk to you because whenever I do, you guys snap at me. And then you accuse me of things maybe I didn't even do or wrap things around or well, maybe he's doing that too. Or maybe he's doing that. And you're just kind of like, well, shit. No, I didn't do any of that. I literally just, you know, did one thing and you guys are bringing the world on top of me. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's for me, it's the give and take the listen to send and receive. That's so massive. If you can't do that, you're, you can't have a conversation. You can't have empathy for one another. You can't have respect for one another, you know, go ahead. Melon.
1: I think one of the key things when you, when you are feeling stuck in a relationship is in any interaction, work, family, intimate relationship, friend, mate, supporting relationship, et cetera. The other person is probably feeling just the same way. And if you can try and exercise a bit of this empathy and make that effort to try and see the world from their perspective, there can be a, a big shift where you're like, well, they're probably seeing me in this defensive mode, you know, refusing to agree to something, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, How am I coming across to this other person right now? And then that can, that can just help you find that, that little thing that if you take responsibility for it, that can just create that space because all of us are looking for these. We all know that person at work. Who's the one who's the force multiplier who can come into the room and lift the room. Who can, can, he's the one there for you on the, the down day. And they're the one cheering you on the best on your best day. And they bring out the best performance and, you know, it's it, it is an ongoing challenge. You know, and it's not like any of us here are saying that we're that guy every day. But there's ways to access that, and the challenge is to do it when things are going tough. Right? It's easier to be great when things are great, and and it's always only what you like on your shittest day that is what counts because the rest of it's just you know freaking donuts and coffee. And of course, you' of course you're great that day,
2: yeah.
1: So so hopefully there's a few points that we've hit here where it's things that have worked for us. You know, how do you create this ability to appreciate the other as a human being? Raph talked about Bedris Cooley and the empathy he can have for a client that might exceed that with his closest family and friends, because they know you're failing and that proximity vulnerability sort of sliding curve. There's um, discussions around work, when there's productivity pressures on how you maintain people skills or soft skills in a time of work pressure, there was some uh, stuff around the Stephen Covey seek first to understand and then to be understood and start with seeing the, pers- the other person as a rational actor. Uh, Raf talked about stoics and that discomfort or struggle is life and trying to separate your emotional response from your logical and reasoning response. And if you're suffering, look to see how you may have contributed to that. And Mike had some really good stuff around send and receive. So getting into that flow. And I think it's a really good idea that when you're in a tough one, consider setting some ground rules, you know, stuff that we would all agree in the cold light of day, like no yelling, no interrupting. A good additional one might be saying back a couple of good points that the other person has just said before you then get your point out. And um, remain committed to trying to find a solution rather than trying to get your point across. So were there any other bits and pieces you guys wanted to drop just before we leave here? Rath, did you have any uh, any points that haven't come out about empathy?
0: I mean, this is a topic that could go on forever. Um, but because I'm a big fan of Marcus Aurelius, I just want to read like a quote that uh, is at least credited to him. And it's again, going back to, because I really do believe that living this life as stoically as possible will net you the most success, right? Because I think that's where you're kind of forced to look in the mirror, to be accountable. Um, and so the way he kind of uh, tends to empathy is he says it's acquiring the habit of attending carefully to what is being said by another and of entering so far as possible into that mind of the speaker. And it's, it's just a really brilliant way of saying stop and try to understand that other person's thoughts as best as possible. I think that's, that's the key for me. So far as possible, right? Because we do have some human limitation, but I yeah, it. that, I, it's something I, I think it's a it's a daily struggle. You know, it's it's a it's a thing that we need to continue because I think that it'll give us exponential gains in every avenue of life, whether it's professional, personal, you know, business, the gym, all I mean, person, just all of it. It just it you could only win by practicing empathy. So I think we should all. Really make it a concerted effort daily. Remind yourself. Remind each other. Like just, just do it. I mean, we will have a better society because of it. And that's just that's just science. Hashtag science.
1: Hashtag tss <laughs>
0: All
1: right, mark Have you got any uh, other ones that haven't come out yet?
2: I know we're talking about feelings and, and emotions and communication as primarily, uh, but I would also say. Obviously, we've had multiple examples of that stuff gets mixed up, it gets miscommunicated. uh, And there's some type of barrier there. And one thing that I really try to notice, and I I really try to hold myself to, is I show up. If someone really didn't uh, care to listen to your problems or want to work out your relationship, whether it be personal, uh, business or professional, you know, whatever, sports team, if someone shows up and they don't run away and they're literally being like, I'm here and present, and they're at least trying to show up, recognize that in the other person. You know, because especially in society today, everybody just runs from confrontation. Like what happens when you have, you know, online now it's like, oh, we're, we're fighting. What happens? Oh, I'll just block this person. I don't have to deal with it. Right. And it's just like, wow, you don't even want to talk about it. You just choose, what is it, to to ghost me. You just want to block me. You want to avoid the problem, sweeping under the rug, act like it never happened. Don't address it. Well, then what's that tell you? That tells you they're not committed to you, what they're trying to build. They're not dedicated to finding that solution. If a person shows up and they're giving you their time, their energy, even if they don't have the right words yet, they're there and they're present. Please take note of that. That, that is huge, especially in today's society. Um, so if you want to start looking at one thing, being like, if you're asking, does this person really care about me? Do they want to be with me? Do they want to work with me? Uh, do they want to play this game with me or whatever? Are they even showing up? Are they giving you time? Are they giving you their energy? If they're doing that alone, that says a lot. And then then you can go back and refine the communication portion, which we all can be better at. What I think's right may not think what you're right. Or what my perception of the world is, is completely opposite of yours. And then having that understanding, then you can start getting into the identifying the problems in order to say, okay, what do we do now to move forward with the solution?
1: my um, drop from my little turn of phrase. My last one around empathy, I, I had a very specific day a moment that I know really well and it was when I got the phone call from Cherry that her waters had broken and I was supposed to be going flying I just briefed a cadet I was walking out to go flying and I was like oh I'm not going to go flying now I got to leave and I didn't get my keys and I you know walked back to my office to get my keys and walked to the wrong car park to get my car and I was totally in the state you'd imagine someone is in when their wife is pregnant with the first baby has just called and said my waters are broken in the 22nd week And I drove my car to the front gate of the Air Force Base in Western Australia and sat for a second and I thought, how am I going to get to the hospital without crashing the car in like super short time? And I drove off. And at at some points on the way there, I was well over the speed limit, but I got myself there safely. And I had the thought during that drive, a guy sort of tried to block me and like we're racing. And I just had really had the moment of thinking, other people that you're interacting with during the day, some of them will be having the worst day of their life, like in that moment. And maybe it's not right now, but everyone's going to have a worst day. And just, if that doesn't give you some sense of empathy for just the people you come across during the day, everyone has got just as much of a whole universe inside their mind as you do. They've all got their fears and dreams and losses and victories and everything. And and everyone is going to have their worst day. And you never know when it's going to be you, and you never know when it's going to be that other person behind you flashing their lights on the highway. You know they might be on the way to the hospital. So that was certainly something I I really like. It shifted things for me permanently. I think after that that whole start that was a start of that experience I had in the hospital. So that one is the one for me. So that's probably the. Uh, the end we really appreciate you guys sticking around with us and uh we appreciate feedback messages likes and reviews to only likes five star reviews people you might send uncle albert around if anything below five <laughs> uh and send through your questions and feedback we love we love receiving it all and uh yeah so let us know how you guys are applying or how you have seen uh, empathy applied well either in a personal relationship with family or maybe in a workplace. And uh, until next week, take care.